All right, good morning, North Point. Oh, we can do a little better than that, right? Good morning, guys. How are we today? All right, a little energy, a little energy. Hey, we are in the midst of our All In series here. Uh, we started kicking this off talking about All In through our offering. As Rick talked about that earlier, and we get to celebrate how amazing it is that God is is using the, the money and the things that he's given us to be able to use to continue to further ministry and what that means. And, and we also talked about celebrated moms because mom's the greatest, right? Of course. Um, and then we talked about sacrifice and what does that look like as well. And then today is a special day uh, because we get to honor a few people in our church that uh, today's a huge deal for. I'm looking around and seeing a few faces right now, and I'm already excited for you guys, right? Like today is graduation Sunday, and this is an incredibly cool phase for a lot of families. It's incredibly cool for students uh, because you are getting ready to enter into this next phase of life, like this next season of change for you, and that could mean uh, school of some kind. It could mean jumping into a job or, or pursuing a passion or, or traveling, but whatever it is, you are beginning to learn what it means to be like on your own. Please don't cut my cell phone bill yet, mom and dad, right? Like, okay, we're we're learning. We're going to transition. We can be a little slower, right? And then for mom and dad, this is another transition for you as well. You are beginning to release some of that authority that you've had for the past 18, 20, 22 years, whatever it may be in your child's life. And for some of you, this is like an empty nester phase, Okay, I thought somebody, right? I thought it was going to happen. <laughs> All right, right? This is like a whole new phase for you, and you're beginning to recognize that how you parent that child is going to change a little bit over time. Your time is going to begin to change as well. And today we're going to celebrate that here at the end of the service, and we're going to spend some time in just praying over our families and praying over our graduates as well. But one of the things that I think is incredibly cool about North Point is that we are a church entirely full of different generations, different generations all over the place. Uh, And so what I want to do, man, is I just want to honor some of those generations right now. And so we're going to go through them. You'll probably learn one today. Always good when you come on a Sunday morning and learn something, I guess, right? So uh, we've got generations like my favorite builders, builder generations. We have any builders? Yeah. Builder. Oh gosh, you're going to ask me years, aren't you? Builders generation would be my grandparents' age because I can't remember the actual years that are on that one, right? But this is a a generation that occurred um, pre-World War II. Thank you. In there, so I know we've got some builders in here not raising hands. It's okay. I see a few of you around. I know we do classes and such for some of our builders as well. I see a few. Okay. Uh, then from our builders came our boomers generation. This would be my parents' generation. We have any boomers around here? You can. It's okay. We're not going specific years or ages. We're just saying an entire like 15, 20 year generation here. Okay. And then uh, we've got Gen Xers. This would be my siblings. So yeah, whatever you guys. All right. Uh, then uh, just kidding. Love you. Uh, millennials. That would be my generation. Yes. See, this is a safe place. That's why my millennials can cheer, right? Woo! And then here's one you may not have heard of before, and this would be our our current college students and on down here. This is the centennial generation. This is our graduates. Put your phones down and cheer, centennials. Come on. Woo! Man, all right. We're struggling through that one. We're going to make it, right? Uh, So what I want to do is, I mean, I want to take this and recognize that all these generations come together and we're centered around this idea of moving towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. But every single one of these generations or phases of life or ages, man, there are differences amongst us. There are differences 
amongst us. And so what I want to do this morning is I've got some lovely volunteers that are going to help me out here uh, and help understand that a little bit more. So if you guys would be so kind as to give some encouragement and some applause for my friends, Emily and Danielle Carter this morning. Let me get you guys a microphone here. All right, Emily and Danielle, we talked a little bit this. <laughs> now, you see, I wrote on the board younger and older, not old, older, right? Like it's just young, older than younger. No, okay, make sure we're on the same page there, right? But what I've got here on the board as I talked to you guys this week, and I want to ask you just one question each this morning, very similar. Uh, Danielle, yours is simply this. What is some things, what are some things that your mom is good at that you are just not. And for Emily, what are some things that Danielle is good at that you are just not? Now, your dad gets to be up here and say whatever he wants all the time. You now have a microphone. <laughs> but you also are going to continue to live at home. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Speak wisely. Speak wisely. Okay. Yeah. And we'll write, write these on the board, too, if you'd be so kind. Yeah. Yeah. And write them big for the sleeping section back there so they can see. Okay. All right. So, uh... Something that my mom's really good at is she's really motivated, like everything she does, yeah. no matter what it is, okay. which is kind of nice. Okay. And I am not motivated. Not motivated. Most of the time. Not motivated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Writing is not fun. Yeah. See, mom, mom also writes on the board for you. Like, yeah. She's good at that. Yeah. That's something else we could put down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's also really good at running. I am not. Yeah. She likes running. I hate it. With everything in my being. Okay. <laughs> uh, she also walks really fast. She walks fast. She walks really fast. That's n- but like not running, no, but walking fast. Walking really okay. fast. Okay. Yeah, okay. she walks fast. Two different paces of movement. <laughs> <Yes>. All right. <laughs> uh, she also juggles a lot in her like day-to-day life. Like yeah. she works, she does stuff for the family, she okay. cooks, she just does a lot of things that I don't know how she just juggles at all. Okay, so some good multitasking skills yeah. and stuff. Okay. And then she also loves people who've done something wrong to her, and she still loves them the same way she would anybody else, which it's really impressive, and I don't know how she does that. Yeah, great capacity for forgiveness. You see this at home with Dad a lot. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) definitely. (laughs) Chris will be up here like in a few weeks, and I'll get it back, so that's how it works. All right, very cool. So uh, motivated, great at running, walks faster, uh, juggles a lot with multitasking, has great forgiveness skills, and a genuine love for people. That is incredibly cool. All right, Mom. Yeah, round of applause. Are you writing for me? You want to write for Mom now? There you go. What are some things that Danielle is good at that you're just not or struggle with? History. (laughs) History. Danielle loves history. She thrives learning about history. Yeah. I would say it's actually a passion for her. Okay. Um, it's actually kind of motivating her to become a history teacher. Very cool. Um, she's good at dates. Like, she just remembers it all. So, yeah. history. Okay. Um, anything techie. Of course. Um, you know, as I get older, I find that when the new bi- device comes in, I very much struggle to figure out how to use it. So, yeah. I always ask her. So. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Um, making friends. Danielle's really, really good at making friends quickly and easily. Um, I tend to warm up, take a little longer to warm sure. up to people. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I've seen, I can see that, um, Danielle. Yeah. Can't read my right. Singing and being on stage and acting. Danielle, this whole thing up here, like, she loves it. Yeah. Me, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing great. You're I'm doing, doing great. it because Danielle wanted me to. because so, um, you then, love people and give forgiveness when go. she asks there you. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then 
sleeping in and staying up late. I don't know if that's most generations this age, yeah. but she can sleep forever yeah. and stay up completely late. I'm in bed most mm-hmm. nights before she is. Yeah. So. Do you miss that? Do you wish like you could just sleep all the time again? Yeah. 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 But, you know, somebody's nice. got to juggle a lot, right? Yeah, and do all those things. Like yeah. All right. So. Very cool. Hey, give them my friends a round of applause if you would. Thank you guys. As you can see, looking at the board here, uh, we've got a few different things. Uh, these aren't necessarily good or bad, right? They're not good things. They're not bad things. They're just different. They're just different from one another. It's not that Danielle or Emily is, is better than one another, maybe better at a few things, but these are just differences that they go through. They're not evil. They're not good. They are separators through differences. And the problem is any time that we get together as a group of people, that have differences with one another, tensions begin to arise. We begin to feel those differences in the room. We begin to feel those differences in conversations. And then when those tensions begin to arise, they can lead to stereotypes or to some negative opinions that we may have about other people because of these tensions that have come up. And then when we have these opinions and stereotypes, we begin to use them to lead to assumptions about that person or assumptions about that generation or assumptions about people that have those differences. And then those assumptions begin to lead us to push away from one another. That because of what we've seen as differences have made us feel a little bit uncomfortable. And so we begin to think all these thoughts about them. And so then we put them in a box and we begin to push that box away from us because that box makes us feel different. We're like, we're not completely comfortable with that. And for some reason, I think in our world and our culture today, this is more apparent when it comes to age. When it comes to age, we begin to see these differences pop up. We begin to see things online. There's memes like crazy talking about all the different generations and and what they're like. And, And we've talked about some of these stereotypes. We've probably said some of these stereotypes before. But what if What if the truth was that you actually needed more younger or older people in your life? What if instead of putting them in a box and pushing that uncomfortable box out the door, we decided that, you know what, I actually need people that have those those differences in my life. I actually need to open that box. I actually need more people that are older than me, more seasoned in life, or, or younger than me, and energetic. I need a little bit more of that in my life. We're going to jump into the book of 1 Timothy this morning. If you have the North Point app, you can follow along on there as well. If you have your Bible with you, this is actually going to be in the back section of the Bible. Uh, 1 Timothy is a letter, so we've already gone through all of the Old Testament leading up to Jesus. Jesus has come. He's been born. He lived a perfect life. He was accused. He died. He rose again, and then he ascended back to be with the Father, and then he left the church here to be established once he left, and he sent out the church as a Go and tell everybody about me. Tell about my gospel. Tell about my message. Tell people who I am. And that's where we're jumping in is with 1 Timothy. The church has begun to pop up in all sorts of places across the known world. And it came through a missionary named the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he is probably known as the greatest missionary of all 
time. And what he did is he began to go to town to town in these big cities to cities, and he would pop in and he would tell people about Jesus, and people would begin to believe, and he would start up a church, and he would raise up a leader in that church. And when things got established, he'd give him a high five, and he'd move on to the next one. And he'd go to the next city, he'd tell about Jesus, a church would start up, he'd raise up a leader in that church, he'd give him a high five, and he'd go on to the next city. And he went again, again and again and again and again. And in part of doing that, at times, the Apostle Paul was imprisoned for it. And when he would be in prison, he would write these letters to these churches and these church leaders. And so one of the letters that he's written here is to Timothy, 1 Timothy. We have two of the letters recorded, First and Second Timothy. We're going to stay in the first one here this morning. But he is writing to Timothy here, and he's giving him advice as a church leader, a young church leader, on how to deal with the false teachings that are rising up inside of his church. And he's going to give how to do structure for the church. But before he gets into all of these things, in the midst of it, he writes to Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy kind of like a friend or a mentor or a father would write to their child to guide Timothy and to speak encouragement and instruction to him. And in that, in chapter 4, Timothy, he says this to Timothy, this young leader, this young pastor in the church, 1 Timothy 4.12. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. If you guys haven't noticed this morning, I'm wearing glasses. Everybody like my glasses? Right? Okay. Uh, from time to time, I wear these puppies around, and people naturally come up to me and go, oh, Jake, I didn't know you wore glasses. I say, yeah, these are mine. When did you get glasses? I actually got these in high school. Well, what's your vision? It's 2020. Wait, why do you have glasses if you don't need glasses? Right? Some of you are curious of that now. Is Jake just a moron? Like, what's going on here, right? What happened is in high school, my sister bought these glasses for me because I read study after study that said that people who wear glasses are viewed by other people as smarter and more mature. And I was trying to take every advantage I could get at that point in time, right? So these became my first impression glasses. Uh, whenever I would meet the parents of a particular young lady or whenever I would go on a job interview, whenever I had a big project due in class, whatever it was, glasses. Every time. And as I began to uh, work with students within the church, and I had these opportunities like today to speak in front of a room full of people of all ages, glasses, right? Because I wanted to make sure that the impression I gave off was one that would grab attention. I didn't want to be dismissed very easily. Now, I'm not going to wear these anymore because they are incredibly dirty, but I wore my fake glasses out of my own insecurities because I wanted to be taken seriously. I didn't want to just be pushed aside. I didn't want to just be dismissed. I wanted every advantage I could get for people to like listen to me, pay attention to me, to view me as who I was, to view me as mature and hopefully smarter, maybe even good looking. However, it worked out, right? So I wore my fake glasses. And what Paul is telling Timothy here in this passage is don't put yourself in a position where you can be dismissed. Don't put yourself in a position where you can be dismissed, but instead be an example. Be an example. See, we live in this culture that says when you are young, you get a free pass. 
You get a free pass, young, to do whatever you want. You can be wild. You can be free. You can make the foolish decisions. You can do stuff for the temporary. You can make mistakes. Like, when you were young, you've just got to get all the dumb out right away. Okay? You don't want to carry that with you when you start a family. Just get the dumb out of the way. Enjoy it. Make memories. You'll laugh about it later. Like, just get all that out of here. You are young, YOLO, whatever. Like, just get it out. Get the dumb out. It's going to be okay. Make sure it's gone before you settle down. But what Paul is telling us here is he says, look, no, 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 that's, that's not an excuse. Your age is never an excuse for your behavior. Never an excuse. But instead, show everybody and what you say, what you do, how you care, how you trust, and the things that you stay away from. Be an example of what you're rooted in. Be an example of the Jesus that is a part of you. You don't have an excuse. You don't have the excuse of culture. You don't have all those things. No, you are called to be an example. And if you want to stick out, if you want to make a difference, if you don't want to be dismissed, don't buy fake glasses. Be an example. Be an example. The things that you do will stick out. The things that you do will make a difference. And what Paul is challenging Timothy here is he's challenging him to redefine his generation. That in spite of what everybody else may be doing, in spite of what everybody else may have excuses for, you are going to be an example. You are going to be different. But recognize that you are going to work upstream against some assumptions, some true, some false but you've got an uphill journey to being this example. Paul goes on later on uh, in chapter 5 here to tell Timothy advice on what does it mean, what does it look like to interact with people that maybe are different ages or phases of life for you. Keep in mind, as Timothy is a church leader at this time, uh, most scholars would believe he's somewhere between the ages of 25 to 35 years old, younger and uh, as a leader, most of the time you would look at somebody and they had years of experience, and so they would be the one that was picked. But Timothy was picked to be the leader here. He was raised up by God, anointed by Paul to lead this church at 25 to 35 years old. And he's got people that are younger than him he's trying to lead, people that are older than him, and he is just trying to figure this out. And so Paul gives Timothy this advice in 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. He says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. It is incredibly interesting to me that when Paul talks to Timothy about how he deals with people of all different ages, the very first thing he brings up has to do with correction. Correction. Not how to smooth, not how to win people over and make friends, right? Not how to build rapport. It's with correction. How do you deal with people that have different thoughts, that have different opinions, that do things different than you, Timothy? That's what you need to do. That's the advice that Paul is giving to Timothy here. He uses the word rebuke here, and it's epipleso in the Greek. Epipleso. It's a fun one to say. You can try it out. Epipleso. All right, epipleso. And what this means, it literally means to strike out at someone. To strike out at someone. So in essence, Paul is telling Timothy, hey, when somebody is wrong, please do not sucker punch the old man, right? Like that's what he's telling him. No striking out here, right? And we know what epipleso is like. We know, we can see it. We can recognize it. And we know this because we're all on Facebook, <laughs> 
right? And I don't know if your Facebook feed looks similar to my Facebook feed, but there are people with lots of differing opinions and views and ages all over my Facebook wall. And there are several times that I have the opportunity to read what somebody may say about uh, sports teams, what they may say about a social issue or politics or even religion at times, right? And I can simply type on my keyboard, epipleso. Boom, got him. I go down a little bit more. Oh, that's wrong. I don't like that one. Epipleso. Boom, got him. And I begin to feel better about myself when I do these things, right? For like that much time, (laughs) that much time. But we know what it looks like to strike out. When we feel these differences, in fact, I would say it's probably our first urge because we've got this tension and we're uncomfortable and we know them daggum millennials are so weird and lazy and all those other stuff and we want to, oh, those old people, I got to go fix another phone and we just want to, oh, at times and we're ready to strike out. We're ready to strike out. I remember being a teenager, having these conversations with my dad and he would ask me to do something and my first response was always, ah, dad, you always, and he would stop me and go, ha, 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 ha. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. Right? Because he knew the epipleso was on its way. (laughs) He knew what was coming out. And there were times I have to go, Father dearest, you are so right. Let me help you in a humblest of heart. And there were other times that I just kept on striking. And those times that never go well. Right? Like we know this as parents. Those times don't ever work out well. Kids, we know this. It doesn't work out well when those things occur. But epipleso, this striking out, is naturally our first reaction. This is what comes out of us to begin. And instead, Paul is telling Timothy, look, look, don't, don't strike out, but exhort them as if they were your fathers. The word used here is translated actually to mean urge. And it gives connotations of, of encouragement and honor and respect. He's saying, look, don't strike out when these differences occur. Don't strike out when there's conflict. Don't do this to people that are older and younger than you. Instead, be an encouragement. Urge love into their life. Urge truth into them. Come humbly to people like this. And he goes on and he points out, hey, people that are older than you, view them as you would your dad. Older ladies in your life, view them as mom. If they're younger than you, it's like your brother and your sister. And I'm not talking like brother and sister growing up. Like my brother used to put my head in his feet and do what he called the bunny hop hop. (laughs) Right? Right? That's why I am the way I am today, right? I wear fake glasses, bunny hop-hops, right? Okay, I'm not talking like that. That's not how you treat your brothers and sisters. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, be there for family. This is, this is family. Like when we're together as believers, moving towards a life fully devoted to Jesus, we are coming together as a family. These aren't people that the differences that we have together should push us aside, but rather it's because of Jesus that we should embrace and come together even more so because I like some of you guys, right? But if it comes between you and my family at times, I'm going to pick my family. I love my family. I got to be there for him. Even though my brother bunny hopped, hopped to me like crazy, if he needed me at any moment, I'm driving down to Cincinnati and I'm going to be there for him. That's my brother. And Paul's telling Timothy, man, family your church, your Jesus followers that you have together, man, this is family. Whether they're older or younger than you, whether differences that you may have, this is your family. Paul is helping a young pastor here begin to discern his relationships with those that he is beginning to lead. But it is such good advice for us as well. 
Paul told Timothy to be an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity earlier. And he is showing Timothy the way to treat other people regardless of the age or phase of life that they may be in as well. See, I did this similar exercise to this with students a few weeks ago. We did a whole study on this idea. And I told them, I said, hey, uh, when you think of, of older people, students, uh, your parents, whatever age group you want to get, like, what, what are things that you think of? What are the things that come to mind? And they wrote, to, yelled out things like, out of touch or angry, stuck in their ways. They don't listen to me. All these harsh things, right? Now you're all going to go home and ground your kids. It's okay, right? But here's the thing. A few weeks ago, Chris and I got to speak at a, a seminar in a room full of 25 to 30 church leaders. Church leaders. And my point was to talk about millennials and centennials. And the very first thing I did is I said, hey, when I say millennial or centennial, what comes to mind? What are, what are the things that you think about? Church leaders. And so they shouted things out, and I began to write down lazy and soft and phone-oriented, failure to launch, that was not funny. What are you guys laughing at? I'm just kidding, <laughs> right? And I recognized that it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what phase you're in. We deal harshly with one another at times. That we really are naturally ready to strike out because of age, because of differences that we have, because these differences cause tension, which creates assumptions and stereotypes, and then it leads us to just push each other away. Just strike out and keep them away. They don't get it. Get out of here. You don't understand. And we deal harshly with one another at times because we forget what Paul is trying to remind Timothy here, that as Christ followers, we are family. We are family. It means as a church, we're not just a kids ministry, a middle school ministry, a high school ministry, and then all of us, but rather we are the church. We all are the family. And the way that we treat people older and younger than us, the way we treat our parents or our kids or that millennial coworker who always seems to be five minutes late, right? Or that neighbor who can't open their phone even though it's got facial recognition, right? How does that even happen? Okay, like... <laughs> We're family. When we come together and are centered around Jesus, we've been adopted into the family of God. We don't get to treat family with epi pleso, but rather we get to urge encouragement and love and purity into one another. Paul wants Timothy to recognize two things here. Number one, that Timothy needs older people in his life. Timothy needs older people in his life. Why? Because older people have life experience. It happens naturally, right? And out of that, you gain wisdom. You gain the experience. You gain guidance. And so when you're younger, however you want to define younger, and you're dealing with somebody who's older, however you would like to define older, I'm not doing that. That's dangerous, right? You begin to see and recognize that whatever phases they're coming from, you can gain that experience, that Timothy needs people that he is gleaning from and hearing their stories and beginning to understand they did it this way and it came out like this. They did it this way and I'm not doing that. And Timothy can glean that as a young person. 
But he's also pointing out, he wants Timothy to know that Timothy needs younger people in his life because they're going to bring energy and passion and innovation as well. Like if we're just being honest, and I work with middle and high school students, it's not just the Mountain Dew. They got a lot of energy at times, y'all. Whew, okay? This is why I got a team full of amazing leaders that like half the time on a Wednesday night I'm there, the other half I'm like, just deal. You got it. All right, guys, go pour Jesus because, whoo, all right? And it's a lot of energy that's there. There's a lot of passion. When I hear students begin to talk about, hey, what is it you're going to do next now that you've graduated? Man, I am, I'm so excited. I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this because one day, man, I want to I teach history. One day, man, I want to be an engineer. I, I want to design medical equipment. I want to I travel and be an au pair. I want to do all these incredible things that they've got passion and they've got innovation. Why? Because they haven't been doing things the same way forever. So they recognize maybe new ways that come in. And Timothy needs to not only glean wisdom from an older generation, but he needs this energy and this passion and this innovation that can come from a younger generation. That Timothy needs both older and younger people in his life. Now, that's not to say that you can't have any of these traits or characteristics if you're in a different age or season of life, but rather it's pointing out that no matter what age, no matter what generation or season you may be in, you have something of value to your Jesus family. So whether you are retired and going to the cabin every weekend except for Sundays where you come back and hang out here, right? Okay. Or you are in kids' ministry learning about Daniel and the lion's den this morning. You have something that adds value to your Jesus family. This is why I love the fact that we have so many life groups that have different mixed phases. Some of them are all in the same phase. Some of them are all over the place. And I love to hear these stories because they can pull wisdom from one another. Because they talk about, man, when they enter the room, it just it has excitement. It's so, so great to see that hunger, that thirst, or get an understanding that I may not have had before. Timothy had to recognize that the people above and below him deserved respect. We live in a world that doesn't give respect easily. It can be tough. We're ready to pounce at any time. But Timothy had to recognize that in the church, man, people above and below him in age or phase or whatever it may be deserve respect because when we give that to one another, the way that we treat others in our Jesus family sets us apart because it is not happening in the rest of the world. In fact, what made the early church so magnetic to people that even the Roman world had to recognize them was the way that they treated one another was unlike anything else. That they were humble, that they were respectful, that they were giving, that they were helping, that they were listening, that they were there for one another like family. That how we treat each other matters. That in the church, we don't see enemies, but we see family. We don't strike out, but we urge encouragement to one another. And we do all of this serving together with the common goal of sharing Jesus with the world. Why do we take the time to make this difference? Because it's not easy, right? Like, here's the thing. You're going to get out of here and, and either your kids that you're going to have a conversation with later or you're going to walk up to Meyer and you're going to find somebody older than you taking their time to get a shopping cart out or whatever and you're going to be like, oop, 
tension, there it is. And you're going to feel that urge to lash out. You're going to feel annoyed. You're going to feel those feelings. Why do we take the time to change this? Because the future of the church, God's family, is at stake. One of the things I got to point out to those church leaders after I wrote all these things on the board was, man, you want to reach millennials and centennials. You want to reach the next generation. But how can you reach the next generation if you don't even like the next generation? It's not going to happen. How can the church continue to grow throughout the next generation if you don't even talk to that generation? If they can't talk to you and ignore you and aren't gaining the wisdom that you can give to them. See, if there's any application to this, it simply goes this way. Older people, invest in the younger people. Older people, invest in the younger people. And the first way you can do that is you can change your words and your attitude. You can change your words and your attitude because there's that tension, there's that discomfort, we've got all these ideas and things we've heard and these opinions about younger people. Man, if you begin to change your words and your attitude, then you can begin to engage and to listen and learn. To listen and learn because there are ideas, there are thoughts, there are new ways of doing things, there are questions the younger generations may have, that you need to hear them and receive what they have given you. Because they can give to you. They have value that they can give back to you. And then you have to give away what you have. That experience, those life lessons, that guidance, whatever that may be, that encouragement. Man, as a new parent, the greatest advice I ever got was, hey, guess what? It gets better. I was phenomenal. Why? Because everywhere I went, people were telling me, oh, are you in this phase? Guess what's next? Oh, she's sleeping through the night. Not for long, right? And it was like, oh, this is exciting. Parenting. But when I got this advice, it gets better. It seems so simple, but then it was explained in this, hey, if, you, if the phase that your kid's in right now is not great, recognize, like, it gets better. And if you love what they're doing right now, like, recognize, it gets better. Man, that was incredibly encouraging. And so there are times at four in the morning, feeding a bottle, that I go, it gets better. It gets better. It gets better. Because I needed that. And if you're younger, here's your advice. Value the older. Value the older. Because they have great value. Because they matter. Because it's not about you. And if you're going to do that, you have to change your words and your attitude. That it's not just, oh, if I go to mom and dad's, or if I go to my grandparents, or if I go to see these people again, like, I just got to fix their computer. I got I to gotta go do this, right? No, no, no. Change your attitude. Recognizing that they have value to be able to give. And then you need to listen and learn as well. Listen and learn. Why? Because they've got the wisdom. They've got the experience. They've got the guidance that you don't have because you haven't done it yet. And if you listen you can save a lot of heartache. You can make a lot of great decisions based on their experience. And then in return, give away what you have. Give that passion away. Give that energy away. Engage. Be present. Don't dismiss or run away. Remember, you have value and gifts 
the people that are older than you need and are will take if you are willing to give it away. See, going all in means investing in one another. Going all in means investing in one another. It means to urge encouragement into the lives of one another. And when we are able to do that with each other, man, then we begin to grow as Christ followers. The church begins to grow as the gospel becomes even more evident to the world. And we are setting a more solid foundation for the future generations of the church. And as we're talking about the future generations of the church, man, this is a time that we want to just honor our graduates right now. We have a picture of, of some of our graduates as well. And we have some that are in this room that are going to graduate. Uh, some have already graduated. Some are going to graduate later on this afternoon. And they're like, Jake, get this done. i got to go be somewhere, right? And so what I want to do, if you are graduating, be it high school or college or whatever, maybe, man, just, just embarrassingly for me, stand up for a second, if you would. Yeah. Give me a round of applause. Here's the thing, graduates, you guys are valuable. You have so much to offer, not only to the world, but to the church. And the people that are sitting around you are valuable as well. And they've got so much to offer to you. Don't miss that. Take it and give it. And so what we want to do now is we're just going to spend a couple minutes, a couple moments here together, just praying over you guys. And your family. So if you are, are close to one of these graduates, man, maybe put a hand on them, be, be around them. If, you, if you're not, I mean, you can just put your hands up close to, uh, up towards the screen. And we're just going to spend a few moments together here praying. So if you just surround them with love and encouragement in this time. Father God, you are, first of all, amazing. And we are honored to be before you, Lord. God, I thank you so much for these young people, Lord, the dedication that they've put in, the going all in, Father, whether it be through academics or extracurriculars or whatever it is, God, as you've developed them through these years, and these parents, these family members, these life group leaders and friends and coaches and mentors that have poured into them, Lord, and God, the value that that's going to hold for their future. As you're developing and creating the next generation, Lord, that is going to bring so much of your goodness and gospel to this world. God, I pray that the gifts and the abilities and skills that you give them, they would give away freely. That they would make a mark on this world for your gospel, Lord. And God, I pray that you would continue to surround them with an older generations, Lord, that would pour into them as they get to be the foundation for the next church, Lord. That's an incredible responsibility, God. So God, we pray your blessings on them as they move forward. And we give you all that we have in our Lord. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.